G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin Isles is Managing Director of the ACL. And back with us, Martin, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Good to be back with you. Martin, you've spent the weekend in Queensland on the Sunshine Coast and uh, just happened to be invited, and I'm sure you get this wherever you go. Oh, by the way, Martin, would you like to speak in our church service? You were invited on the weekend to speak. Give us some insight here. Uh, I was invited to speak, yeah. I was up on the Sunshine Coast uh, this time to work with some of our volunteers and team members. Uh, we have a, an annual training uh, session, particularly for the uh, senior volunteers. We call them LCOs, about how to do good campaigns. And uh, a local pastor got wind of the fact that I was in the area and asked if I'd come along and speak. It was interesting, Neil. He actually, uh, normally I would say no because my schedule is just too full. But uh, on this occasion, he, this pastor um, is, a, is, a, is a Tongan man uh, and somebody I know who is uh, an incredible man of conviction, uh, whose stand I really respect uh, in his church denomination and in the way that he uh, pastors his congregation. Uh, and also he was concerned about some uh, young folk in his congregation who were connected with the Manly Seven. People will know of that story from the week. Uh, and just wanted them to be encouraged and wanted them to hear a message from the scriptures uh, which would encourage them. And he mentioned Daniel, and I thought, well, actually, I've been reading Daniel lately. And so I felt like I had something to say, and so I said yes. Uh, and we didn't advertise it because um, the, the church wasn't uh, wasn't that big in terms of capacity. But word got around, I can tell you, and uh, it was full <laughs> it was full plus, and the blow me down. Uh, Israel Falau showed up, which was a great blessing, and uh, I was really happy to see my my friend Israel, and uh, he he was there, and uh, people were very excited about it. So we had a great time, very encouraging uh, time to think about Daniel's stand that he took, uh, and how that's relevant for us today. And given all the controversy last week around the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles, uh, Israel Falau uh, with you in church on Sunday. Is there anything you can give us by way of update on where he's up to? Because in some sense, so many believers will see Israel Folau as a hero of faith who was not afraid to stand for a biblical principle. Any thoughts on where he's up to? Yeah, I mean, Israel, um, the sad thing about Israel's situation is that uh, he didn't get the grace that the Manly Seven have received. Uh, he was uh, put through quite a trial uh, and a legal uh, fiasco that went on for a long time. Uh, he was banned from playing for uh, roughly a year, maybe I think it was a bit more than that actually, uh, before he was then unable to get a contract in Australia and he has had to go and play overseas. So it's a, it's a sad story from that point of view, uh, but I guess it's a, it's, it's a blessing from the point of view that uh, God has provided an opportunity for Israel to play with a Japanese club. Uh, and so he spends a significant amount of time in Japan, and his family go back and forth with him, and he plays there. And um, uh, he also is going to, I believe, be playing on the Tongan national team for the World Cup. So that door is opened as well uh, in recent times. 
them. So maybe there's some hope of things returning to more normalcy. But um, I do think Israel was a real Daniel uh, in the stand that he took. And people would have questioned Daniel and doubted Daniel and been confused about Daniel at the time that he did what he did, uh, seemingly throwing away his career uh, for the sake of his conscience and his belief in God. Uh, Israel did that and drew a line in the sand. And I think his testimony and his witness uh, and the work that he did made the uh, situation for the Manly Seven a little bit easier. It was a small uh, space, but a space was carved out for them to exercise their conscience in the way that they did without catastrophic consequences. So I think it's worth acknowledging Izzy and the work that he did and the stand that he took and the courage he had. I think he's made some changes which are long-lasting. Uh, let's talk some more about the Manly Seven because uh, all of their controversy is not yet over, is it? Uh, it is reported today they had an emergency meeting yesterday and brought in a professional mediator to get the group of players together and try and get a sympathetic understanding from both sides. Uh, this has been a, a terrible story in some sense that this could even happen. Uh, any reflection on last week's controversy uh, from you, Martin? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, hat tip to the players for um, standing firm. Um, it's It's been tragic to sort of see the way the NRL has tried to handle this on the whole. This is the sort of NRL hierarchy. Um, you know, Peter Volandis has come out and said, you know, if you don't want to be inclusive, you can stand down. And I sit there and think, well, that hurts my head because if, you know, <laughs> standing, standing people down is not inclusive. Is it? Right. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't sort of make any sense at all. The words they're using don't mean what they think they mean. Uh, and they don't make any sense to those of us who are looking on. I mean, it's not inclusive to force somebody to wear a political symbol. I mean, you wouldn't make an Aboriginal player wear an Australian flag if they didn't want to, uh, or you wouldn't get somebody to put a cross on their jersey, you know, and say, well, you know, you've got to wear it because it's inclusive to wear a cross, a symbol of another, uh, another, another movement of sorts, uh, or any other a political party logo, or a black fist, or a Black Lives Matter, or, or, or some feminist symbol, or a Christian fish. You know, th- this isn't inclusion. This is exclusive. This is saying, well, here's a brand, here's a political symbol. You've got to wear it. And it's not one that was in their contract. It's one that's been put upon them later after they've signed their contract, after they've made agreements about employment. So uh, it's not inclusive at all. It's completely exclusive. Let's get that straight. Uh, These players said they couldn't do it. Uh, They were stood down from the game, which is wrong in my view. They should have simply been allowed to wear the old jersey. Um, However, uh, going forward, the coach, Des Hasler, does seem fairly uh, set on allowing them to continue to play unimpeded and not letting this issue uh, destroy the club long-term or compromise the team long-term. And the seven players in question seem absolutely committed to standing their ground. Um, We ran a campaign, uh, an email campaign, where people could send messages of encouragement and support uh, for the players to the Manly Sea Eagles Club. Uh, Well over 20,000 people have sent those messages. They definitely had a big impact. So I want to say thank you to everybody who participated in that. Uh, And also, uh, if those uh, some people would have seen that at the Manly Sea Eagles game in question, uh, people showed up with uh, signs saying, uh, respect the Manly Seven, where's the Manly Seven? I stand with the Manly Seven and uh, sat in the stands with their signs and and held them up when the goals were scored. They were standing behind the goal line. 
Um, and, uh, of course, they were allowed to do that peacefully uh, and be part of that, and uh, that got in the news. That was on, in fact, there's a huge photograph of them holding up their signs in the stands on page three of The Australian. So thank you to everyone who participated in that little campaign that we did to get some grassroots activity going on. There has been some success, Neil. Um, I'm optimistic that uh, things will continue uh, as usual for the Manly Seven and they'll be on the field and all will be well. I think this mediation stuff that's going on in the background is probably more to do with personal grievances uh, between players, not necessarily to do with uh, the nature of their contracts with the game. Uh, well, that's what I'm trusting. But there's some more prayer to be had there. If you hadn't sent, haven't sent a message of support yet, you can go to the ACL website and you'll see the campaign there staring you in the face uh, to put a bit more pressure on the Manly Club just to make sure these guys uh, don't suffer any adverse action. Martin, everyone was chiming in with their thoughts on the Manly Seven. Uh, the Prime Minister said it's important in Australian society that we respect everyone for who they are. Uh, he's given a sort of a general uh, way of talking about uh, respect for each other, but uh, where do you think he might stand on uh, the 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 you know these issues of inclusion and diversity and uh, those sorts of issues that are around the the rugby league club? Is he just taking a statesman approach here? I think he is, Neil. I think he's deliberately using words that can be uh, accepted by everybody uh, and everybody will apply their own meaning to them. <laughs> that seems to be the art of this statesmanship lately. Uh, everyone should be accepted for who they are. Well, we all agree, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm sure that those uh, who were pushing the pride jersey agree. Uh, you and I agree. Uh, but uh, I think in, in sport, the way to do that is the controversial question. And he wasn't clear about how to do that in sport. And I would just offer this. I think that the Manly Seven was, uh, the Manly Sea Eagles were doing an excellent job of that before the Pride jersey round. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a gay player on the team, there's straight players on the team, there's uh, uh, Pacifica commu- uh, players on the team from the Pacifica community, there's players with an Aussie uh, ground. Uh, there's, there's, there's all sorts, different skin colours, different sexualities, different cultures. They were all playing perfectly harmoniously. They were getting on perfectly well. Des Hasler made the point that it was a really cohesive team uh, and they were, the, the, the principle there was just live and let live, you know. You are what you are, I am what I am. Let's gather around the sport. And when you have something like sport, the way to be inclusive is not to um, divide against people on grounds that are irrelevant to sport, which is the main point of what they're doing. Uh, and so this rainbow round is irrelevant to sport. It's politics, uh, it's ideology, it's, uh, it clashes with people and who they are. And so it's divisive. So I just offer the thought that in the sporting codes, um, live and let live is the way uh, and not bringing in things that are irrelevant to the main issue, which is sport, uh, is the way forward. I'm sure the Prime Minister would have probably a slightly different view, actually, to what I just articulated, but uh, I... I I kind of respect him for not getting into the weeds on this uh, and making a comment and and, and moving on without himself uh, fanning the flames of division. Well, let's move on. The way we talk about family, of course, as Christian believers, we talk about a husband and a wife and uh, families that are all together uh, in the sense of the Christian traditional foundation for families. And so all of these issues, when it comes to LGBT and the rest, Uh, They all have some impact. There's another issue going on in Western Australia, an all-ages drag show. Uh, Any thoughts here on the fact that uh, there's these sorts of uh, programs that are contrary to our Christian idea and understanding of family that are funded by taxpayers or ratepayers? 
Yes. Well, it's interesting that um, you, you, you put it that way. You, start, you talked about the concepts of marriage and so forth, um, because people might ask why, and I think they're very, it's very fair to ask, why on earth are drag queens interested in reading stories to children? Why are local councils, libraries, like the city of Fremantle City Council in Western Australia, why, why are they interested in, in, in putting on these drag queen story times? And this is, you know, it used to be drag queen story time for children. That has started to gain a lot of controversy. There have been protests. So I see that the uh, Fremantle City Council has been a little bit more uh, sophisticated by putting out a quote-unquote all-ages drag queen story time. Uh, so in other words, basically parents can come with your little kids. Why are they interested in this? It is the most bizarre thing to most people, and I get that. But there's two words that I, I want to introduce listeners to that they may or may not have heard. One is heteronormativity, and the other one is queer normativity. And the idea of heteronormativity is the idea that uh, normal is boys are boys, girls are girls, boys marry girls, boys and girls have children, and that's a family. It's that traditional notion of the heterosexual couple and what that means for society. And heteronormativity says that's normal and good and right and to be aspired to. Well, on the other hand, you have the idea that the activists talk about, which is queer normativity. And what that means is that they would like to change what is normal. They would like to change the way people think. They'd like to change what people embrace. They'd like to change what people decide is good and worth pursuing. And they say, no, no, what's good and worth pursuing and what's right and what people should think is normal is queer. In other words, uh, this whole heterosexual thing, this marriage thing, this traditional family thing, it's somehow oppressive and it needs to be forgotten and destroyed. It just it can't, it's not even a category. It should just go. And people should be free to live as they please and do what they want in the area of their gender, who they marry, who they love, uh, their sexualities, the, their families, whatever. It's just a free-for-all and that's liberty and that's freedom. The whole point of Drag Queen Storytime, according to the inventors, is to promote queer normativity to children, is to change their minds, to put role models in front of them from the queer community, to change that way they think, to change what they think is normal. So I explain that as part of background as why this is going on. It is a political, ideological assault on kids. It's bad. So wherever people find these things are going on, they should register their protest with the relevant body. They should ring up, they should send messages, they should speak to them and say, look, this isn't good enough and I don't like that this is going on in my community. It is worth standing against. In the worst case, it sexualizes children. Uh, in the best case, it confuses children. Uh, somehow or other, we've got to be thinking as Christian believers about how we protect our children, shouldn't we? Uh, look, yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the first thing is to is that knowledge is power. Uh, and so understanding what's going on with these events is important. Um, also, I think, I mean, uh, we have our National Director of Politics, Wendy Francis, um, who speaks on this show fairly regularly. Um, she would make the point, too, that it, it really sends a gross caricature of what is a woman to children. Um, and, you know, uh, the drag queens, when they dress up as women, quote unquote, 
uh, they accentuate all the sexualized features of women and so forth. And it's, it's really disgusting and degrading. Uh, so there's a lot not to like about this. And I, I think it's important that parents just are not naive towards it. Uh, so the first thing is don't send your own kids, <laughs> of course. But, you know, spread the word amongst your peers and um, make sure that this sort of content, which children, you know, are drawn to because it's colourful, it's playful, but it's actually being worked into kids' shows. Um, Blue's Clues did a whole uh, queer episode not long ago. And, I mean, this is a... This is a little kid's show about, you know, finding someone's crayon and stuff like this. It's very, very simple and basic, but it was a full-on Rainbow Pride show. Uh, it's coming into kids' cartoons, and that's what this rainbow and fun and, you know, happiness sort of motif that surrounds this, it's about normalising queer. Uh, and so parents need to be aware of the agenda. Uh, and they need to be watching out for it, not just in libraries, because uh, you can easily walk around that and not go near it, but in kids' entertainment, more and more and more, just watch and be, be aware of what's going on there. A couple of quick issues. Uh, time is short. Uh, let's talk about the ACT for a moment, uh, which is these days uh, your home territory. The government has decriminalised illicit drugs in the ACT. They surely have. Um, <laughs> you know, the ACT, it's, a, it's sort of a little hamlet, isn't it, that uh, people forget about. And uh, people often say that Victoria is a shocker. But actually, ACT tends to lead the way on a lot of these really disastrous social policies. Um, and the reason it's worth raising is because what happens in the ACT in Victoria tends to spread. Uh, and you can see where sort of the vanguard of the Greens and uh, left Labor sort of political movements are thinking and what they'd like to bring in elsewhere. And one of them is the decriminalisation of drugs. Uh, of course, uh, it's small quantities and that's how they get away with it and that's how they convince people it's a good idea. They say, oh, well, we don't want to waste police resources, uh, you know, policing small quantities of drugs. It's just too hard. It's too much work, i.e. we don't fund the police enough. We don't have enough police resources, which is true in the ACT. It's quite extraordinary. There's very few police down there. Uh, however, you know, the limits are things like two grams of heroin. And uh, if you do the, 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 if you know enough about these things, you realise that two grams of heroin is 20 hits. Um, that is a lot of heroin. And heroin is a profoundly dangerous drug. Um, the Federal Police uh, Association have come out and said this is a really bad idea. And of course, the ACT policing is a branch of the Federal Police. Um, and uh, they've had quite a number of stakeholders really raise the alarm on and say wherever you find violent crime, wherever you find domestic violence, wherever you find road safety, traffic accidents and things like that, wherever you find this awful, these awful things, drugs are consistently a feature. And to enable these quantities of hard drugs, MDMA, heroin, methamphetamine, the whole lot, is such a dangerous thing for any society. Um, you know, uh, it's extraordinary to me that uh, we're losing sight of the fact that if a thing is wrong, you should you should really consider banning it or, or criminalising it. That's what the law's meant to do. It says what's right and what's wrong, yeah? What's in and what's out, what's good and what's bad. We're just losing that basic 
line. Now, there is a link on the ACL website to a petition uh, which is being run by the Shadow Attorney General in the ACT uh, to try and fight against this. And if the light gets shone in on this sufficiently, we might see some progress back in the other direction, actually, because it genuinely is a dreadful idea. So people in the Canberra region, I would encourage you to get onto the ACL website and find that link and help out the Shadow Attorney General, uh, who is Jeremy Hansen. So it is decriminalised in the ACT and for every other state and territory there's got to be an alarm bell ringing because this sort of legislation may be coming to your state or territory. One last very quick one, there was a move last week to abolish prayer from the Senate but it sort of blew over fairly quickly. A quick thought or two from you on that one Martin. Yeah, look, just quickly, I mean, we're fortunate that the president of the Senate, Sue Lyons, who is an atheist, didn't get her way on this. It's been going for 121 years where every single day Parliament is open with prayers in Canberra there. Uh, People are often not aware of that, but it does happen and it is very real. There is just an argument some people raise, even Christians, where they say, oh, well, you know, it might as well go because, you know, the the people don't really believe it anyway. But I just say this, um, the prayers in the morning, firstly, it's a good symbolic thing. But secondly, um, it's not compulsory. And I happen to know that there's quite a few politicians who make a point of going into the chamber. Uh, at the start of every day to be there for prayers. And they stand and they pray. And there's a Lord's Prayer said and there's a blessing said as well. Uh, And uh, that's an important part of their day. And they tend to be Christian and believing or Christian-minded politicians. So this ceremony which happens in Parliament is important. So it's worth defending when we put petitions up and things like that. It's not just symbolic. It really is meaningful, actually, to the nation and to a lot of the politicians who are in that place. Uh, Fortunately, uh, Labor's leader in the Senate, Penny Wong, and the Deputy Deputy Senate leader, Don Farrell, have both said, look, we're not going to change this. We're not going to go there. Uh, But it's interesting. This does happen from time to time. This debate does come up. Uh, It's good to know that it's happening uh, and also that it's worth keeping. Well, no doubt there'll be another round sometime soon, but we can be thankful that when there is prayer in the Parliament, it does, in fact, and uh, every Christian believer will acknowledge it brings the affairs of the nation under the oversight of Almighty God. Uh, Martin Isles, wonderful getting your insight as always. Let me point listeners to the ACL website. You did mention there are some, uh, some certainly some information there to keep up to date. Uh, also some petitions that around some of the issues we're talking about today. acl.org.au, the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin Isles, Managing Director of the ACL. Martin, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you again, Neil. Always great to chat. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.